Hello and welcome to the Richard Hunter interview. As ever, this is the place where I'll be discussing matters of interest with a whole range of investment experts. In this episode, I'm pleased to welcome back investment trust aficionado Jonathan Davis. Jonathan began his career as a financial journalist at The Times, The Economist, Sunday Telegraph and The Independent before qualifying as a professional investor and market strategist. He's the author of several books on stock market investment, as well as being editor of the annually published Investment Trust Handbook and is also host of the Moneymakers Weekly Investment Trust podcast. Firstly, a very warm welcome to you, Jonathan, and thank you for sparing us some of your time. So the relevance of this question will become apparent as, as we move through the chat today, but perhaps we could begin with a reminder of the main differences between closed and open-ended investments. Indeed. So the main difference is that investment trusts or investment companies, as they're also known, they are listed like an ordinary share. You can buy and sell them in the stock market. They have a board of directors like a uh, like a uh, like an ordinary company, and they uh, their share price, the, the amount of money you get for buying and selling them, is uh, determined by the market, and so it can be above or below their net asset value. Open-ended funds or unit trusts or OICs or uh, any of those uh, types of fund, it's slightly different. They're not listed on the stock exchange. They are mostly issued by individual fund management companies. Though they have a uh, uh, an administrator as well. Uh, and basically, the, the price you get and for buying and selling is the net asset value on the day. So in other words, you can always get your money back at the value of the fund, give or take a small spread, whereas with investment trusts, you are reliant on what the market values them at at that particular moment in time. And some houses, some investment houses choose to run both. They do. They do because they, uh, they're they two different markets in a way. The kind of people who invest in investment trusts are slightly different in their uh, makeup from open-ended funds. Uh, and uh, it can be an advantage to uh, to offer investors uh, both types because they both have their strengths and weaknesses. And there are certain times when uh, one particular structure will do better than the other. But over the longer term, uh, those of us who uh, like investment trusts uh, prefer to stick with them. But uh, in difficult markets like the ones at the moment, there are occasions when open-ended will do better. Indeed. And uh, you previously described investment trust as the connoisseur's choice. Was that partly due to the relative stability of dividend payments, which became very evident during the pandemic, for example? Well, that's part of it. That's certainly uh, one of the, the, the stronger reasons for wanting to invest in an investment trust, particularly in the equity uh, sector, if you're, if you're buying a stock, stock market fund. And, and the reason for that is because, as you correctly say, investment trusts, unlike open-ended funds, have the ability to hold back some of their income every year instead of paying it out directly as a dividend. They can put it into what's called reserves, and then they can then use that to smooth out their dividend payments through difficult market uh, times. That's certainly one of the main advantages why connoisseurs uh, uh, like them. Uh, There are others. For example, um, we believe they have uh, superior corporate governance. That can be important in certain cases you know, reference Wood, Woodford or something like that. And there are a number of other reasons that are attractive. They tend to be slightly cheaper as well. But uh, uh, and they also have a wider range of asset classes you can invest in. So they give you more choice uh, as well as giving you uh, some of those structural advantages I mentioned. Now, we last spoke at or around the height of the pandemic market turmoil in April 2020. At that time, we were discussing how strongly technology trusts and funds were performing. What subsequently happened to them? Well, it's been a real roller coaster ride in uh, a number of sectors, not just technology, but some of other sectors as well, like biotech and uh, private equity, growth capital, those sort of things. It's been a real roller coaster ride. I mean, they had an incredibly strong run as the uh, the pandemic, after the pandemic, uh, you know, hit its nadir. 
and we had the vaccine and so on. They went on an incredible tear, if you like, uh, for a long period, and they were up uh, you know, 100% or so in a little over a year. I'm afraid they've given back quite a lot of that this year. They have been uh, leading, if you like, uh, the investment trust sectors on the way down with a combination of falling net asset values and uh, the kind of stocks that they own being uh, very long duration growth assets. Uh, they've been punished by the market. And in the case of the investment trust, the discounts, uh, they've gone to a discount as well. So you've been on this kind of, let's say, real roller coaster, which you can get in uh, markets that are moving very rapidly in one direction or another. Indeed, and investment trusts generally have this year been punished by their use of gearing, which tends to amplify both gains and losses, and by the fact that investment company share prices, as you mentioned, also trade separately to the value of the investments, or NAV. Even so, over three years, their performance is equal to funds, and over five or ten years, generally better. Why do you think that might be the case, Jonathan? Well, I think it's some of the reasons that I mentioned already. I mean, I think the uh, if you look at the data over time, if you compare a closed-ended fund and an open-ended fund that's doing roughly the same thing or even managed by the same team, uh, you will find that over time, the investment trust company will do slightly better. And that is a combination of, I think, uh, better corporate governance, I would say, the, the the directors of, of the investment trust have to be on the ball a lot more than uh, those who are managing uh, open-ended funds. And also the other factor being that you know fund managers who run investment trusts don't have to uh, sell shares whenever the, the, the price goes down or when anybody wants their money back. That's not how it works. Where in an open-ended fund, if you're the fund manager and one of your investors wants to leave because things are, the markets are bad, uh, they have to sell something, even if they don't think it's a good time to sell that thing. So those factors uh, all contribute. Uh, I and mean, I think we've seen that... Uh, Plus the gearing, which, as you say, does amplify uh, these uh, uh, the price uh, movements in investment trusts. Uh, uh, as I've said, they get, can go from a premium to a discount and back again. Uh, so they get more volatility, essentially. Yes, and of course, just um, underlining that point, we had an issue a couple of years back in, in property, of course, where the underlying assets weren't able to be sold very quickly. And that, again, highlighted a, a fairly major difference between the two. Indeed. And of course, uh, you know, they're now thinking about changing the rules for open-ended property funds for that very reason, because you just can't get your money back all the time when you want it. And I think it's generally an advantage that, I mean, the other big thing that's happened in the investment trust sector over the last 10, 15 years since the global financial crisis is we have seen uh, the emergence of a whole class, a new class of uh, investment funds, which are specialist uh, property funds being among them, where they can take advantage of the fact they don't have to buy and sell uh, just because uh, people want their money back. And in anything that is vaguely illiquid, in other words, can't be bought or sold uh, very easily. So if we're looking at things like renewable energy or you know care homes or things like that, which you can now buy investment trusts that specialize in those areas. Uh, they are relatively in illiquid assets and can't be bought and sold cheaply. But investment trusts can do a much better job by offering you that choice in a way that open-ended funds cannot, cannot do. And finally, Jonathan, what, what's your current view on prospects for markets generally? Do you think we're near a bear market? Well, I think we, uh, on some measures, we are in a bear market already in terms, if you look at the US market, that's down 20%. That is what's normally uh, regarded as a uh, as a, as a mark for a bear market. And uh, not so bad in the UK. The UK, the FTSE anyway, has done relatively well so far this year. Uh, different sectors have done well. And in the investment trust world, you know, renewable energy obviously has done very well because commodity prices are rising. Uh, a lot of these uh, specialist property trusts that are on uh, index-linked government uh, long-term contracts, they've done very well. You could have made money in those this year. 
But overall, um, yeah, the investment trust sector has suffered along with the market. It tends to have, uh, in the equity area, they tend to have more global than UK trusts, the ones that invest globally. Uh, and there, so the average investment trust in the, uh, in the all share index is down around 18% this year. Now, do I think it's going to carry on? Well, I'm rather afraid that I think it is. I think there'll be a, a rally of some sort at the moment. Uh, let's hope so anyway. But I think this combination of events that are affecting the market at the moment uh, make me think anyway, having been around, uh, unfortunately, for quite a long time uh, through a lot of market cycles, that I think we are going to see, I would be surprised if we don't see it uh, get worse over the course of this year before it then gets better. That's my personal view. Uh, others take a different view, but um, you know, I've got a lot of gray hair. And so uh, I've seen this happen many times. Times. It just feels to me like this is probably not yet the end of it because of the combination of things we're seeing, high inflation, uh, central banks rushing to try and get back their credibility, rising interest rates, plus the war in Ukraine, you know, all these factors coming together. And I think, you know, market investors are, are, have had a wonderful run for their money over the last 10 years, notwithstanding the pandemic sell-off. Uh, and I'm not sure that's going to continue. I think we're entering into a new regime where returns are going to be somewhat lower uh, over time and possibly... Uh, as I said, will get worse before it gets better. But uh, I hope I'm wrong. And volatility certainly has been a, a, a key word in markets generally in 2022, which in some ways, uh, and I don't know whether you agree, would underline the case for very much taking the longer term view when it comes to investing. Of course, if you've got a, if your time horizon is uh, long enough, uh, and you're not quite as old as I am, perhaps where I don't have another 30 years to go, uh, if your time horizon is long enough, then of course, not only should you be. Uh, you know, sticking with your uh, portfolio uh, with whatever balance you've got, uh, but you should be looking at some of these. There might be some bargains out there now. I mean, if you if you think about the technology trust, for example, I mean, they had an incredible run. They went, they they got you know massively overbought. I think it's fair to say now they're trading on big discounts. You could have you had to pay a premium to get them. You know, only a year ago. Now they're on a big discounts. You know, if you if you're buying at this kind of level for the first time, then I think you uh, you know over a long period of time you will do quite well. But uh, in the short term, I think it's more a case of uh, sticking with the uh, the steady performers, particularly the income paying trusts and so on. Uh, they're going to do relatively well over the next period, I think. Uh, but of course, you should um, stay with your uh, program, whatever that happens to be, as long as it's uh, you haven't gone a bit wild during the uh, during the pandemic uh, boom market. It has been a, a slightly crazy market. No, a very balanced view. And uh, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for. So many thanks again for your time, Jonathan, and for those valuable insights. That's the uh, investment trust aficionado, Jonathan Davis. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to like and subscribe. And of course, you can find much more, by the way, of investment insight and ideas at ii.co.uk. I'll be back soon with another Richard Hunter interview. Bye for now. <laughs>